Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. We are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast family. I am Anthony Corbo, at Corbo Anthony on Twitter. I've got my man Kyle Maggio with me, at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. And what is going on? Tell the people hello. What's going on, everybody? Uh, you know, dead, dead time of the season, but uh, thankfully, Ooh, it is. thankfully, every couple of weeks, it seems that we say that. Some new fun tidbit of information comes up just as we're going to report, uh, record just, this podcast. Yeah, just right in the nick of time. Like, where, where do we want to uh, start off with one? This one, we're gonna just hop right into the uh, the Carmelo Anthony stuff. I'd like to. I think that's a that's the ideal way to start. Here it is. Then, so there, as of like an hour before we're recording this, it's like five thirty Eastern time on a Wednesday. That's what we're recording right now. Uh, there's been a, a little bit of hoopla popping up across the Twitter uh, propagated by one Ian Begley uh, saying that Nick, uh, former Nick Carmelo Anthony has been working out with Nets players uh, out in Los Angeles. Um, reading through the inter- the uh, article on SNY right now, I uh, said that uh, Karis, Levert, uh, Karis Levert said that Kyrie Irving uh, organized the workouts. I don't know quite who is there with them right now from the Nets. I would highly doubt that Kevin Durant is there right now. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is, this is interesting. This is a lot of smoke where I don't think there's a ton of fire, especially considering Brooklyn has 15 players under guaranteed contracts already. Um, But good Lord, would this be the most heartbreaking thing in the world? I just I I can't I can't picture Mello being a Brooklyn Net. It it, it would kill me. It would it would kill me too. Um, I feel like the Nets would do it as a PR move, especially for this season, because KD's on the mend, and I Mm. fear that they're going to do it uh, to continue their culture building. Of you know what, we know we're waiting on Kevin Durant, but. We have Kyrie Irving. We're going to be a decent competitive basketball team. You know, we're not quite a contender yet. We don't know how Durant's going to look, but for now, we're okay. So basically, if they sign Melo and do the retirement tour for him, that's about as good of a situation as you could hope for. Melo, uh, you know, he's from Brooklyn, New York originally. No, the Red Hook, uh, Red Hook Projects. And uh, I mean, born you know, in Brooklyn. But yeah, yeah we'll, uh, he, lived he already he did like it. He already did his coming home thing. I'm not letting them take that right, from us. Right, right. But did that you eight do years know ago. If they sign him. You do know if they sign him, they're going to. They're going to lean into it. He's going to have his little retirement tour, and then he's going to leave, and then Durant comes back. Like there was already and, the Diddy song. Like the Diddy song is out. It's it came out eight years ago. And what are we going to do? What are we doing here? Uh. I would just be, look, we've been doing this pod a long time. Mm. And when we first started, I think we were all mellow fans. Like, we were happy to have a star player on the team. And then as time went on and the team didn't perform well and it wasn't just one person's fault, as everybody always likes to make it, you know, there's people who it was just Phil Jackson's fault. It was just Carmelo's fault. You know, it's always all those things. It's everything mixed. But um, I would never say it was a mellow stan. I was always just like, you know, I enjoyed uh, the best player on my basketball team for quite some time. And then since he left the Knicks, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know this well. Like, he just gets, like, in a, a, in an unnecessary amount of shit from, whether you know, just league members, whether it's, you know, GMs or uh, franchises kind of speaking off the record about not really being interested. They don't want him. Um whether it's NBA Twitter folks or just people online in general or, um, you know, people talking heads on TV, like he gets a lot of unjust criticism at this point. And it sort of made me turn into a mellow stand. Like I, I already was always a, like a big fan, but I wouldn't say a stand. And now I'm just like, 
you know, Jesus, man, like, and then he goes to the Nets, and now I'm going to be conflicted. And I don't, and I know there's a lot of us who, and us meaning Knicks fans, there's a lot who really despise the Nets, especially after this summer. And I never have, because there's no real rivalry. Like, nothing ever happened for there to be a rivalry other than that one billboard that went up, the city's under new management, and that was it. There is no rivalry. So I don't really, it's like the Yankees and Mets. Like, I don't, I actually like watching the Mets sometimes, and I'm a gigantic Yankee fan. I don't wish them ill will. There's never been, we beat them in the, the Subway Series. I don't care. You know what I mean? So the Nets is the same thing. I never cared about the Nets. Okay. But if he goes to if he goes to the Nets, like it's it's like it would bother me because I know they're doing it to rub our faces in it, and I and I never feel that way. I never feel that way about that team. Well, or about so- outsiders doing something uh, to spite the Knicks, but that you cannot convince me otherwise. They're doing that specifically to give him a retirement tour in New York, despite the Knicks. Hundred percent. Okay. If that's what if he does sign. A few things here. One. I think that Knicks fans take the uh, Nets are trying to get at the Knicks thing a little bit too far sometimes. I don't, I think a little bit is, you know, the, the Mad Men meme where it's, uh, you know, I, I feel sorry for you. And the other guy's like, you know, Don Draper's like, I don't think about you at all. Or however that meme goes. It's, I think it's kind of something like that where I, I don't think that the Nets would be willing to risk, you know, like Torian Prince is a better fit. At that at the three, than Melo is, or wherever they're gonna play him, like he's a better replacement for Durant this season. They would work better like that way. Like I don't, I don't, I don't like the Melo slot in for Durant kind of comparison because I don't think it really does much. I don't think that the Nets in a pivotal season like this are willing to take the risk and make it about the Melo farewell tour. Um, I don't, I don't know. I just think that I don't think that they. I think they have all the publicity that they want right now. Like I think that. They'll need to do, you know, find other ways to garner attention throughout the season and whatnot. But I think coming in, like, they already made their splashes this season. They already got Kevin Durant. They already got Kyrie Irving. Like, they don't need to bring Melo into the mix to try to, you know, boost their attention. And, like, beyond that, I don't think that they want to they want to cut a player for that. I don't think they want to eat that salary. Um, you know, I, I don't, I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me other than the fact that, it's the Nets and, you know, them signing Melo would be a really good way to get back at, at the Knicks and Knicks fans. I, I it's, it's just one of those situations where it, I feel like this is kind of getting blow, a little bit blown out of proportion. Like Carmelo Anthony has been all over and August belongs to Carmelo Anthony at this point. Like this is his month just to, you know, talk about why, how he doesn't have a contract and you know, how he's going to be, he's going to have another all-star season or something like that. Like, he just basically owns this month. And I, I just think that he's at the point where he's like, look, he's like, I don't know how I don't have a, a tryout with any of the teams. Like he's like trying to blow smoke about the LA teams coming and signing him. I just think that Melo's kind of playing basketball, playing basketball, wherever he can play basketball right now. And you know, if it's Nets players inviting him, if it's Kyrie inviting him, then so be it. He's going to go play with them. Like this is not anything new for us to be seeing Melo workout videos in the, in August. August really is his month. August is his month. He owns it really, it really, it's like four or five years running now. August is his month. It's pretty much, I mean, I mean, it all goes back even to like, you know, the Knicks, like ever since the Knicks missed the playoffs, basically, it's like him hyping up the Knicks in August saying that they're going to make the playoffs again, or, you know, hyping up uh, the trio of Mello, Porzingis and Derek Rose, or, you know, then getting traded in August and, you know, the hoodie Mello thing. And I, I mean, especially since the hoodie Mello thing, it's just, he owns this month. Bar none. Anyway. Right. You, you know, last thing I'm going to say on Mellow, and I'm just going to get a little bit uh, reflective here. It's, it's just a one-liner. It's going to take me 30 seconds. This team has been so bad for so long, and we've gone through so much. Like, when we were ready to move on from Mellow, remember those podcasts we were recording? We said, you know what? Love Mellow, but it's time. You know, KP's here. He's the future. He's the building block. And then we trade KP. And then we have a 17 wins. Well, you know, 17 win season happened in the middle of trading KP. Um, you know, they figure to not be very good next year. I, I don't know where you stand, but I mean, they're to me, they're not going to win more than 30 games. I think they're better than 17 wins, but not, not better than 30, you know? So I, I can't believe like at the time, the mellow years, it was frustrating at times because you knew that they could have been better. I now look back on that era and this is like the sad state of being a Knicks fan right now. Like I look back fondly on that. I look back fondly at going, 
yeah, you know what? Like, I miss like, you know, knowing Prime Mellow was there and going, okay, well, this roster kind of stinks, but we have Mellow, we still could win. And did we always win? No, we were mostly like a 500-ish team, just above, but it was like just the feeling of knowing like it was like a coin flip every night versus the last couple of years where it's like, okay, we're probably going to lose, but by how much? I agree like, with you. I, I I think I look back more rosily on the um, first Mellow contract, like when he came over, signed the extension, and then like pretty much Mellow through 2014, I feel real, you know, real giddy about and you know, can can look back on and, and be you know, like, you know, ah, those were those are some years we had some real chances then. And it just kind of beyond that, it, it just you know, his decline. And then there was all the, the stuff about him not wanting to take on certain roles. And then the Phil Jackson feud took the, you know, the uh, limelight away from all that. And then by the time, you know, 2015 came around, we're already moving on towards Porzingis. And yeah, it, it's, I, I have a lot of, um, I really enjoy Carmel Anthony. I really like him uh, both as a player, as a, you know, celebrity, as an individual, like, He's he's definitely one of my favorite NBA players of all time, one of my favorite Knicks of all time. But you know, it's it's I don't know. It it definitely uh, I would say that era was more. I don't know. Would you? Is it more disappointing than it was? Uh, you know, like successful. Like like are you like overall okay? Are you disappointed with the Carmelo Anthony era in New York? Like do you have is it yeah, like yeah. just yes or no? Like are you yeah yeah. Yeah, I, I was. Um, you know, my thoughts on it. I mean, some people blame Mellow more for being the star and not getting it done. I feel part of that, but I also feel like, you know, uh, he was signed to be a premier scoring f- option. That's why he got his money, and he was a premier scoring option. The rest of it, to me, is if you're a franchise and you're signing a guy to that money, it's your responsibility. You make millions of dollars. That's your job to fill out the rest of the roster to complement the star that you've chosen to sign. So for me, and I know people disagree with me, it's fine. I'm not going to do the whole rigmarole again. But uh, for me, I just think like uh, more blame's got to go in the front office. They're the ones making oh, the decisions absolutely. at the end of the day. So if it's if if they're underwhelming, it's your fault. You chose to sign him. Yeah, you no. offered him the contract. I mean, who's going to turn it down? I mean, Phil he Jackson is- was by far one of the worst, you know, NBA presidents of all time. Terrible. Terrible. And, and, yeah, and, and the, the thing is, like, even those early years when, like, we had some playoff success going on, it was when you had, like, you know, you had, like, Grunwald and you had, like, uh, uh, who am I thinking of before? Like, Donnie Walsh. Like, you had these guys who are, like, actually competent general managers and presidents. And, you know, I guess, I guess guys who work decently well with Steve Mills, like, it's and then you know you kind of throw that away for one reason or another and you end up with the incompetence and big name of phil jackson which is basically just isaiah thomas retread and you know now we're here now we're here where we feel like we have a a, you know a competent gm group uh you know probably i wouldn't say that we have yeah i'd say maybe we have a top 15 front office in the league and you know they're they're like showing some signs of competence. There's been some good draft picks, some good players selected. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the closing note we can put on Mello here is thank God Mitchell Robinson was able to be picked up with that pick. Just thank God that we got something for those years. Like that is, that is just incredible. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too, is, you know, I want to say the return was bad for Mello. I thought his value was comically low. His value is really low, but for example, I thought, and and I don't want anybody to yell at me because this is just my reaction at the time, but I thought it was very meh, and I thought they picked up Cantor and McDermott to flip, which McDermott they did, but it was. I think they thought the they were going to. They were. They thought they were going to trade Cantor. I think they thought so too, but I don't think they. My biggest issue. This is a whole separate thing, but my my biggest issue is. Um, they their refusal to settle for deals with Kyle O'Quinn, Courtney Lee, they had offers, they didn't want to trade them. Sure. With Frank Nealakina, they had offers, they didn't want to trade them. Like at some point you have to lower your asking price. Like I'm sure yeah. I don't know anything about cancer offers, but I'm sure they- Right. Only to buy him out.
Right. I knew it. Right, and sure, that was lucky, but like every draft pick in the sense is, has to do a lot to do with luck. So, you know, it's it was basically, I think, I think that their settling for deals thing happened with the mellow trade. Like exactly what you're talking about there, where they tried as hard as they could all through the summer to get a first round pick. They realized they couldn't. They got the highest, you know, you know, they, they got basically a, one of the highest value second round picks that they could. They settled for that. They took on Cantor's, you know, two years of shit contract and, uh, you know, McDermott, which they did eventually flip. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. Overall, the mellow, early early mellow days, yeah. Later mellow days, meh. Mellow on the nets, yeah. Whatever. Football season is here, people. It's time to start placing your bets for NFL and college football. So Blue Wire is teaming up with sports information traders and the legend John Price, one of the world's most successful sports bettors. So our listeners are given the chance to make more money on football this season. Go to sportsinformationtraders.com slash blue and get the college football and NFL futures play and make up to 15 times your money for only a $99 investment. Last year, sports information traders correctly predicted the Clemson Tigers to win the college football championship, making one client alone $110,000. The year before that, Kurt Presley of sports information traders made $1 million with a preseason wager on the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. John Price and the Sports Information Traders team can guide you on the best way to make money on future bets and preseason football betting picks. You get all that for just $99 and the opportunity to make 15 times your money. It's totally worth getting Sports Information Traders betting picks. Sports Information Traders has been featured in ESPN, Gambling911.com, Entrepreneur Magazine, and many more. John Price has been successfully making money betting on sports for over 20 years. Make a big return for a small investment with Sports Information Traders Future Picks. Get started now by going to sportsinformationtraders.com slash blue. Again, make sure you go to sportsinformationtraders.com slash blue to have your chance at a 15 times return this football betting season. All right, Kyle. Well, the only other real piece of news to have uh, dropped this uh this week is the uh officially now the schedule has been released so uh i kind of took a look through a bunch of these games i found some that stand out to me a couple of interesting thoughts um do you have any uh any games start off the bat that you wanted to get to right away so uh, i was gonna ask uh anthony if you remember last season not this one that just happened but the one before uh do you remember when the New York Knickerbockers took a trip to Los Angeles to play the Lakers. Yes, I do. I mean, there's been, you know, four games since then, but yeah. 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 And do you remember uh, what happened in said game against the Lakers? I mean, I'm sure I will after you tell me, but no. (laughs) (laughs) So Anthony, uh, you said, are there any games that I'm looking forward to? And uh, I have one that I'm looking at right now. My cellular device. Mm for November 14th against, uh, I don't know if uh, anybody's uh, heard of this team, the, uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Mm. And uh, somebody may or may not be making the return, and that same somebody may have gotten sauteed the last time he was in Los Angeles and he had a guard, Julius Randle. Mm, uh, now, now I remember what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I put together a nifty little thread last night. Uh, on the next wall at Twitter. Uh, if you aren't following us and listening to this podcast, shame on you. Go follow us. Also, because we have well, look, look at this. What a wonderful transition. Uh, we have a wonderful giveaway going on right now. Mm-hmm. Where uh, all you got to do as we approach our 20K followers on Twitter is uh, just follow us, retweet and like the tweet, tag two friends. That's it. The grand prize winner gets one Knicks jersey, authentic of their choice, and a TKW shirt of their choice. Second place gets two TKW shirts, and third place gets one TKW shirt. Uh, because we love you guys very much. That's it. We just wanted to give you guys some stuff. So and that night- if you haven't entered already, make sure you do. But um, yeah, yesterday, I mean, Julius Randle just roasting KP. Like, and, and it's not just 
one way. He was taking him off the dribble on the perimeter. He was bodying him in the post. He was duping him with post moves. He dunked on him one time, uh, two times actually. I mean, he just just let him have it. And KP is, and I stand by this. This is I said this before uh, we traded him. I personally think he's going to be fine coming back from injury because his game wasn't dependent on athleticism. It was dependent on him being a very tall basketball playing uh, basketball player who could jump shoot. So I think he's going to be more or less the same dude. That said, that makes me excited because that means he's going to have to guard Julius Randle. And uh, we know he's not capable. He might block a shot once or twice because he is a good rim protector. I'll give him mm-hmm. that. But uh, Julius Randle is a very, very, very strong player and a very, very good offensive player. And uh, I I cannot wait to see the 50 points that Julius Randle puts up on Kristaps Porzingis. Oh, was- I'm sorry to everybody for saying his name. I'm sorry. I mean, and, but we got two chances, too, because that that is the return of Kristaps to uh, New York, which, you know, of course, will be... Uh, a hell of a sight to see anyone who's at that game. Like just, just I, all I want to see is cell phone videos the whole time. I want to see, I want to hear the crowd yelling, Oh, you know, from whatever section just raining booze down on this man over under two tons of garbage gets thrown at him during the game. Um, I'm going to say like under on the, on tons of garbage, but tons of booze getting ran down. Like God did there's, it's going to be extraordinary. It's gonna look you know, like it's, it's gonna look like a fucking hat trick out there, but with trash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but before that, we have Kristaps. Uh, we're gonna be seeing him again uh, as the Knicks go down to play the Mavs on November eighth. So, like, you know, I, I'd be into like Julius Randle, like, kind of, you know, getting back in. He hasn't played. He hasn't played against Porzingis in, uh, you know, about a year, year and a half or so. So, you know, kind of get warmed up a little bit down there. You know, puts on maybe like a light thirty on him or something like that. And then, you know, like one week later comes up and he lays down a 50 piece. I'm just, I, I, you know, I think that is the, uh, the key reaction we're looking here for here, but we got a couple of, uh, you know, beyond the, uh, beyond meeting, uh, I was going to say an old friend, but not quite, uh, again, we have a couple of other interesting games to come before that. Uh, obviously Knicks and Spurs open the season, uh, on the 23rd of October. That's going to be down in San Antonio. Uh, you know, I guess Marcus Morris revenge game. I don't know, whatever. Um, but right after that, the second game of the season, uh, the Knicks play the aforementioned Brooklyn Nets in uh, in their home in Brooklyn. So, uh, what do you what do you think the reaction to that game is going to be like for most fans? Well, I think I think the fans are going to obviously not be happy. You know, like hey, we're not happy about a lot, man. Like we have a lot to boo about. And, and we boo often. So uh, I think I think a lot of the game, like that's kind of the theme of the year. I just feel like we're just, like people are just going to come to MSG and we're just going to be mad that they didn't sign here or mad that they requested a trade out of here. Like it, it is like for me, I tra- like the, the KP stuff, I'll, I'll probably be pretty into because I went to bat for KP hard, very hard until he left. You know, his whole time here, I thought uh, people were undervaluing him in terms of the broad NBA sphere. And uh, so for for him to not want to be here that quickly um, was very disappointing. I, you know, my thoughts on the trade. Well, everybody does. uh, But that one I'll probably be very into and engaged in the anti-KP stuff. I'm sorry. Uh, Normally I try not to get caught up. Like the Nets stuff, like Kyrie went to the Nets. I was, I didn't think he was coming here to begin with. I never felt confident in Kyrie. He's always been a wild card. Um, Durant stuff bothers me, but I can't really boo Durant because he's going to be in, you know, street clothes. So he's kind of been on record I, too, like saying that we were, if if Durant wasn't coming, we weren't really particularly thrilled on having Kyrie coming either. So yeah, the Kyrie one doesn't really bother me all that much. Yeah, the, it, it just doesn't. Like the Durant stuff stinks, but it stinks less because of the injury. Like I, I was hoping that was the one dude we could sign. And just let him rehab and take his time. And but but even still, he's going to be 32 when he comes back off an Achilles. Like I can talk myself out of it. So to me, I, I'm slightly annoyed. But I, I don't know. I think the fans are going to let them have it. Obviously, it's just they think about the reception Kyrie got when he came to New York that last time after the KP trade. I mean, they were really cheering for Kyrie, the the Garden crowd. 
they really wanted him here. Yeah. It was a big spectacle because that game was on ESPN, too. It was a big That's spectacle. That's right. It was. Shit. It was. It was. Scott Perry actually talked on ESPN uh, before the game. They had a quick interview about the trade. It was a madhouse in MSG that night. I think that was the first game after the trade, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know. But it, it was a, a very weird night. And just hearing how, like, lively and animated the garden was it always is but like there's a different air when like those kinds of situations happen there's a certain like sort of rabid fan environment you know at that point when everyone's just kind of hungry for either uh blood or for somebody to come here like you you know how it is when we kind of lock in on somebody so i think a lot of fans feel spurned a lot of fans thought Kyrie was coming um it was in our mentions all year but um yeah, I mean they're gonna get booed, man. KP's gonna get uh, super booed. Just so uh, they're gonna throw, sh- and Kyrie and Durant are gonna get super. Everybody is gonna get booed this well, year. It's gonna uh, be a very weird. My year. question is, jumping back into the Mavs for one second, what kind of reaction do you think Tim Hardaway Jr. gets? I don't think he's gonna get. one. Do you think he gets like, like a video tribute? Okay, this is gonna like, be I very. Think, oh, wouldn't that be great if they gave Tim Hardaway Jr. a video tribute, but they didn't give Porzingis? This is going to be a very unpopular opinion, and I'm prepared for it because I've defended Tim Hardaway Jr. on this pod uh, numerous times. He should get one, but not like a really good one, like a quick one. And the only reason I say that is because we did draft him. He played multiple seasons with us. We traded him. Then we signed him again. He played a few seasons with you know like he don't forget if he wasn't drafted with us, and then we threw money at him. It would it wouldn't be a big deal. Don't but forget once a Nick like. Yeah, for him to leave and then come back as a much improved player, and the, he still wasn't very good, but I feel like people kind of let him have it too much, considering he was pretty much just a volume three point shooter. Um, so I, I don't know. I think he's probably. I don't know that they will do it, but I think he should get like just a really quick one, like you know the really nice ones that are like a minute and a half long, two minutes. Yeah, long. yeah, like obviously, like, obviously not that. Like a- but but give him give him like a thirty second. Hey, we drafted you. You know, here here's a couple clips from your first stint. Here's a couple clips from your second stint. Thank you, Tim Hardaway. Like, doesn't need to be light, dim, dramatic. Just a quick like. I want thirty I, second. I, think, I want thirty second timeout tribute to Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke, and Courtney Lee. For for, for Timmy, he should. No, and I, everybody's gonna yell. When we go live with this pod, I'm gonna get yelled at. But they should just just very quickly. I, if he, we talk about the culture changing, to me, that's a thing that you do. For, you know, you want to show that you care about the players. And if that's somebody that you drafted and that's somebody that you brought back because you believed in them, uh, whether or not he was overpaid, I think you should do it. I think that's a good move for the franchise. That's why I'm saying it. I think just just something quick. But I do not think that he gets it. I do not. They're not going to do KP because, remember, they canceled uh, Latvia night. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, right? They, they canceled it after the trade. I actually do feel bad about that because I kind of do too. That was kind of a shit. Because and I'm, you know how many tourists go to MSG now for next games? It always right. I mean, so they're the fourth probably, most valuable team in the world. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's there's a lot of fans, you know, from all over the world. Like I'm sure people live in New York, who are Latvian, were probably looking forward to going to that game. We canceled it. You know what I mean? I thought that was kind of yeah. dumb, but I get it. So. Because of that, there's no, there's just no chance that he gets any anything. He's just going to be another dude that they announce, and that's it. If they did anything for him, even if it was like a polite introduction, I would be surprised. Yeah. All right. Well, a couple of other games I have on my list here. Um, again, against the Nets, uh, November twenty fourth. Only because that's a Knicks home game, and that's my birthday. So, going to be real stoked if they win that one. Uh, the other ones that actually matter to people beyond myself. Uh, I thought that this one was interesting. Knicks versus Hawks on, uh, you know, at the garden on the 17th of December. I just really, you know, the Hawks have one of those, like they're a pretty good model for the Knicks to be following over the next couple of years. And it's not, it's not like one for one or anything like that, but just the way that they've acquired young talent and, you know, they got guys, you know, even for, you know, a while now they have, they've had like Kevin Herter and they've had John Collins and, you know, they're, and obviously they have Trey Young too. And they've been at, they added like DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish in the draft this year. It's like, they're pretty stacked with young talent. And I don't think the Knicks, uh, you know, 
young players are necessarily on the same uh they're not necessarily the same level that the Hawks players are and I think even just having Trey Young kind of vaults them up into another level but I'm just very interested to see that game to like get some comparisons on you know where this Knicks team could be in two or three years time if they don't uh you know if they don't fuck things up like they normally do um and also, you know, the Cam Reddish versus uh, R.J. Barrett matchup is one to watch out for. I just, uh, yeah, I, I have that team kind of uh, penciled in. Also, just because I like watching the Hawks play. I think that they've shown to be a very, a team that's built well and efficiently over the, over the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, let me see what else. Well, yeah, there's no Knicks miss this year, which is correct but unfortunate oh the other one the last one that i had on my list here is uh on january 10th Knicks versus pelicans i would like to listen uh i hope other Knicks fans don't do the thing where we have rj barrett now whom i love dearly and everyone knows this but we do this thing where we're like well fuck it we didn't need zion anyway rj is better i love zion he's gonna be a very 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 great player um and rooting for Zion to do well all the way out in New Orleans with the Pelicans is about as harmless and fun as it gets. Mm. So I implore fans to embrace having fun rooting for Zion, even if he's not on your team. We wanted him all year. We all loved him. Just it, it's it should be fun. We should look forward to like the fun rivalry of RJ Barrett and Zion because they love supporting each other. And in my opinion, we should be supporting both of them. Uh, I don't care if that sounds corny, like we should. So I'm looking forward to that game too, because uh, anytime those two play each other is going to be, it's like when LeBron and Wade played each other, like when, when two friends play each other, like it's always a good game, you know, yeah. like that's always something to look forward to. Yeah, there's I, a, there's an additional storyline beyond the actual game. And I like, yeah, that. that's, that's kind of why I really want to see this matchup. Just like, you know, and I mean, I feel like that kind of thing really started with the uh, the whole Magic and Larry Bird thing. Shout out to uh, Mr. 60, Magic Johnson, um, tweeting away all his lists and all that. But uh, I, I just, yeah, I, I think that having like that kind of friendship is really cool. Like we've seen it with like the, the Mellow and LeBron years and like just having that like that friendly rivalry kind of like adds a little bit more to the, I think, the entertainment value of the game. Uh, and then also like Zion's just going to be an absolute thrill to watch. And by the time January comes around, I would imagine that he is, you know, found his niche within that New Orleans team. So uh, they do also play a preseason game against each other. I think it's the last one. But I, I, you know, who knows whether either one of them will actually be playing in that game. You know, Zion got shut down almost immediately in summer league. So I, I'm just kind of I, I'm, I'm excited to see that matchup and. And then kind of beyond that, the uh, the season to me seems to just be, you know, a couple of retreads. And you just, it, it all depends on where the Knicks are going to be at that point in the season. Because we had, like by January, you have played just about everybody in the league. And you got all those big, you know, matchups or rematches out of the way. I'm just, I'm curious to see what position the Knicks are in after, you know, that January 10th game. And, you know, where that takes their season from there. Um, something interesting to note, too, that I... Uh, you know, normally with the Knicks, there is a pretty heavy portion of the season around January where uh, they're playing you know, a, a pretty intense West Coast trip because of various things happening at Madison Square Garden. You know, the Big Apple Circus is usually one of them. But, you know, that tends to be like the Spurs have their rodeo road trip. That tends to be when the Knicks rack up a bunch of losses because they're stuck out there playing on the West Coast all that time. But this year, it kind of looks like the schedule makers remedied that a little bit. I was looking at, uh, I, I took a look at the schedule, and between December 1st and January 10th, the Knicks, when the, this, this kind of like hardcore stretch would usually happen, the Knicks have nine home games and 10 away games. You know, it, it, the worst stretch that they have is between uh, December 10th and December 20th. They play one home game and five away. Like the longest road stretch that they actually have is four games, and, you know, with a couple of three game ones in between there. I'm very, I don't know how much of an actual impact this will I, I'm, I'm i'm very torn on how this will actually play out i think that this could have a potential to see the knicks uh you know improve their standing because they don't have that period where you can kind of count on them losing you know six or seven games in a row uh which then tanks the rest of the season like they're kind of 
if they can stay consistent going into that and they can weather that storm, like I'm very interested to see what that does to their win total as the season plays out. Because the West Coast trip, I mean, this has been going back over a decade. I mean, I remember, yeah, this I remember has been during, a long ass time. I remember during the Amari years, like e- even when we had like a better team, like the Mellow years, they were never a bad team. They were always mediocre, you know. So even then, like they'd go on this West Coast trip and play the Clippers, the Lakers, whoever. And I just felt like no matter what, the Kings, the the Warriors, they, they always got the shit kicked out of them. Like every game, like we'd have to stay up and watch these fucking games. And they'd get the shit kicked every year. Didn't matter who was on the roster. Didn't matter if they were the Shane Larkin, you know, Bargani years or if it was, you know, Melo and Amari and Tyson. It always just felt like every time we had to go out there and go to, you know, L.A. and go to Sacramento, they, go out they to They get rocked and it would just tank the rest of the season. They, just, they, get, they get rocked. The, the Blazers kick their ass. Like, we, we just never have a good time they, there, so. That's like when you get 20-point losses to, like, the 2015 Kings. You know, it's like, it was bad, bad, bad. Like, like on a, uh, it's always like on a random Tuesday night, the Kings just oh, blow yeah. us up. But it's like, what oh, is yeah. happening? You Willie Collins high so, goes off so, for 30. <laughs> Uh, I actually, I, I believe somebody, and I forget who, but somebody in our Slack chat, read in our Slack chat posted it, but um, I forgot who it was on Twitter, did the strength of schedule mm. for heading into the year. And I think the Knicks had the 12th easiest schedule this year. And someone else posted a separate one that they did, and it, it went by difficulty instead of by easy. And it showed the Knicks as 18th, which is exactly the same for 18th most difficult. So... I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to overachieve, but we have such a young team, and if they were going to be any kind of good, multiple young guys are going to have to take big, big steps quickly. And if you have a easier schedule, then that helps. You know, I mean, that's like for me, that's encouraging for a young team to have an easy or I mean, it's not like top five or anything. Right. And you're but, still playing like, you know, all the different teams in the league. Like, it's not like it's the NFL where you're missing out on certain teams right. when you play. Like, they still have to go up against these other players. It's just a little right. bit more palatable. Right. So I, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Like, yeah, I wanted a Christmas game. I think we all did, but I think we could all agree they didn't really deserve it. But yeah. I really don't have any quarrels. I'm, I like, I'm also pretty happy the KP stuff is getting done quickly. Like, I like that that's in the beginning yeah, of the year. Right? I think they played Dallas twice in that week, like the it's same the, week. It's the 8th so. and the 14th, yep. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, I like that we're kind of hitting the ground running here with some really good games, and the schedule isn't overly difficult. So I, I, I'm not going to say, like crazy excited for the season because it's not going to be a, a super duper fun one in terms of winning a lot of games but it makes me feel better about like you know sort of the, the the mindset we were talking about before is like last year we turn on the tv and go okay they're for sure losing today but by how much it's like now it's like all right well we might lose but we have a puncher's chance i mean you know the talent I mean? distribution throughout the league now i think helps that out a little bit too where it's they're just less bulky teams with top heavy players that are just going to blow the Knicks out. Like there's a lot of good players on a lot of teams throughout the league, but like, it seems like things are a little bit more middle focused now where, you know, the Knicks don't have like four like hurdles to overcome in each game. Like there's no real, there's, there's less big threes out there right now. They're just going to pummel these, you know, this young team into the ground. Yeah. I mean, I, my my big hot take, and uh, this is the only thing I'm going to say, I'm not going because I'm going to save most of it for our season preview stuff. But uh, as you know, I've wanted Julius Randle for multiple mm. seasons now, and I wanted him because I thought pairing him next to a elite rim protector in Kristaps Porzingis was going to be a wonderful pairing. We don't have Kristaps anymore, but we have Mitchell Robinson, who is still an elite rim protector, right? So. My hot take is that Julius Randle playing next to a guy who can really cover up a lot of those uh, defensive issues with him at the four. I think he's going to have like a breakout year. I think that he's going to average low 20s, like 20, 21 points a game, maybe even a double-double, and he's just going to go nuts. off Because, I mean, he's he's very efficient, and he's got a, a big offensive bag of moves. I just think... I just think he's going to eat 
all year, and I think that's going to do wonders for the Knicks, and I don't think his def- uh, defensive issues are as much of a concern. So I'm very excited to watch Julius Randle just beat up on people all year because that's going to be a lot of fun. thoughts on that but like you said i'm gonna save it all for our uh season preview in just a few short weeks uh but in the meantime you know what let's let's get into uh let's get into less of the big man rotation let's talk about the guards really quick because quentin haynes uh tkw's own wrote a piece today or came out today about damian dotson alonzo trier and you know the, the knicks signed a lot of shooters they signed a lot of you know, a lot of guys that can be that can float between the two and the three, and they sign a lot of guys that can go between the three and the four. And it seems like Dotson and Trier may end up being the two who have to, uh, you know, have their minutes eaten into a little bit. And I, I, it's when you talk about when we look at this roster and we look at, you know, it, it's a bit of an unorthodox kind of combination of players that they have here, but. The guard position is just as much of a question as any of the other spots. So I, I somebody's got to accept a little bit less than they got last year. And I just kind of wonder what you think of these two players and what their kind of roles in the rotation might look like going into uh, going into this season. So I actually think Alonzo Trier is pretty safe. I don't, I know there was some questioning about what, where he fit in, but I, I mean, he was, he has his flaws obviously, um, but he was pretty damn good last year. I mean, he was, he was pretty efficient. He was, I mean, and it was uh, his not, rookie year, but he was good in stretches last year, I'd say. Yeah. And so he was really good up until he got injured. Then he came back and he was kind of iffy for about a month. And you could attribute maybe some of that to rust and, you know, dealing with an, an injury that made him miss pretty decent amount of time. But after that, like, did, did he come back after the returning? trade? Yeah, I believe, or it was definitely after Christmas. It was, it was in January, I believe. Yeah. And he had, I want to double check, but he had some issues. And, uh, but once he, once a little bit more time went by, he looked like himself again and he closed the season out pretty well. And, um, I don't know that he's going to, like, in my head, like, he's, like, one of the first guards off the bench. I don't know that they're going to play the Wayne Ellingtons and the Reggie Bullocks over him. And the only reason I say, I, I thought Reggie may have started if he was healthy, but he resigned because he is really not that healthy. So I don't think they're going to be in a rush to start him or use him all well, that Well, here's much. my, my, my move with Trier is I, I agree with you where I think he's going to be, you know, the first guard or if not the first guard, the second guard off the bench. But I think it really leads. I think I really lends to Dotson being the starter here next season. So, oh, real quick. So he came back on Christmas. Okay. He missed time from the. So from December eighth uh, to the twenty first is when he missed time, and then the twenty fifth he came back, and then he started off a little slow, and then he finished really strong. But here, okay. So. Yeah, I I think that he had a little bit of trouble adjusting with the, uh, you know, when Dennis Smith Jr. came in and they definitely had him running some point at a few times during the season that I don't know if he necessarily looked uh, superb in. But the thing I want to get back to with Dotson is I didn't realize how much better his shooting became last season, like until I saw it. And like, I know that he was definitely like he shot better than the season before and his output certainly uh, went up. But I didn't realize that he was knocking down uh, 36.8% of his shots, you know, that season it's from a uh, Quentin Haynes piece. Again, he, he said that he put 342, he took 342, three pointers and knocked down 36.8 of them. That's, that's good numbers. And that, that to me is starting to, you know, caliber of shooting, especially when you're running a roster out there where Dennis Smith jr. Is probably going to start, you know, uh, uh, RJ Barrett's probably going to start you, and, you know, Bobby, uh, not Bobby Hors, he's coming off the bench, but Julius Randle is a pretty good shooter himself, but he is not quite, you know, 36% from three range. Like I, a Dotson to me seems like a really 
good glue pieces sticking to that two guard spot to really tie in some of this roster together. I agree. And, and I don't want to make it sound like I don't believe in doubt or anything. Cause I, we kind of all on this podcast have backed him for a couple of years. And I wanted to see him play more and get a chance. And he really did last season to Fisdale's uh, credit. I know we've kind of given him shit for other things, but he let Dotson start a lot of games and play a lot of games and have a super green light. And when he was starting and playing really big minutes, I mean, he was pretty damn good. Even on nights where he wasn't shooting well, he's a really physical defender. He's a bit undersized because they play him, you know, at multiple, uh, they, they switch up his matchup sometimes and he gets stuck on some threes that are bigger than him or some fours occasionally that are bigger than him. But even being undersized, like he's a smart and good defender and he uses his body well. And I think like there's a, I don't want to make it sound like he has no chance to be in this rotation because the team is not very good at all. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I hope he I don't know. I hope he plays. I mean, he, like you said, he was hitting this threes. He improved a great deal. I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to play him. You know, I, I don't know that you'd want to play a, a Wayne Ellington over him. You kind of know who Wayne Ellington mm-hmm. is. You know, I, I think he should be farther up there, maybe a seventh, eighth man. Yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't see him just riding on the bench either after what he showed last year because he was pretty efficient when he closed the year out. So I, I'd like to see more of him. I hope he doesn't get buried on the bench. To I, be I, I, I don't think that Dot will. I think that he has his – I think that he's kind of earned his spot, and I think he's going to be the one that they go with, like, above. Uh, you know, cause, just because he slots in well, like – this is a team where a lot of guys are going to fluctuate between positions. And I think that he can play the two and the three like reasonably well. He's not a long-term NBA three by any means, but you know, he's shown a propensity for being able to at least marginally defend to that position. Like, and he can still get a shot off wherever it takes. So it's like, I, I think that he'll be good there. I think he'd be a good interchangeable, like two, three with Barrett where they, you know, depending on just kind of what the matchup looks like or what the play is called for them. And, you know, during that moment, like, it's they both kind of like can shift between those positions pretty seamlessly. I think to me, like I agree that Ellington probably is, is going to be your, you know, 10 minute a game, third kind of wing off the bench, whatever. Um, I, I think that Bullock has every, I think that Bullock absolutely can take that spot from Ellington, but I think, you know, while he's getting healthy, like Ellington is probably the more sure thing there. Um, I mean, I don't want to get too far into the other rotations either because, you know, I want to save that for our season preview pod. But um, it, that's it's just a very interesting uh, matchup to me, that that two and three spots, just because they have so many guys who can fluctuate from position to position, you know, from two to four. Um, and I, I just I don't know, like there's I have one kind of lineup in my head that makes sense, you know, you know, throughout the entire rotation. I, I have I have one kind of like starting lineup that I really like and one bench lineup that I like in my head right now. But, you know, I have no idea if the Knicks actually end up going with that and who ends up being like the odd one out because somebody definitely, you know, ends up sacrificing most, if not all their minutes. You know, so, so some rotation players from la- from you know last year are not going to get, you know, like, I don't think Knox gets the 25 minutes that he did last year, but that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to say about Dotson is um, he absolutely needs to play next to Dennis Smith Jr. and RJ Barrett. Like those guys, those guys are really good at finding shooters. Like Dennis has issues passing, like once he gets into the paint, but like when he gets to the rim and kicks out, but the, it's like his in-between decision-making. That's the problem because he's good passing from the perimeter. He's good passing at the rim, but like in-between is his issue, but that's why he needs shooters. Cause last year, once he had some, um, you know, knocks, he was fine regularly. He had a nice little thing with Dotson where he was just swinging them, always hitting them. Uh, looked like a little cross court, one-handed passes. He was flinging like RJ is the same kind of thing. Like RJ likes to drive, and he's capable of the kick out. He didn't do it a lot last year because uh, Trey Jones was his point guard shooting like 25% from three. I wouldn't be passing to Trey Jones either if I was RJ Barrett. But um, you need guys like Dotson doesn't really dribble. Like Dotson just straight up catches, squares up, shoots, lets it rip. Or he catches it, squares up, pump fakes, goes right to the basket. Like he's he's very direct with what he's doing. You know, whereas like a trier is like, okay, well, I, I can take my time. I could dribble. I can spot up. I could do a bunch of things like 
those two, RJ and Dennis, who are probably both going to start and both are playmaking type players and are going to have the ball in their hands all the time, you need Dotsons. You need dudes to just cut relentlessly and move relentlessly to just keep getting the ball and shooting. So for that reason, and I think those two are going to be important parts of the next season, Dennis and RJ, I think you need to have guys like Dotson. So I don't know that he's going to get stuck no, on the 100%. bench. He's, he's such um, a good like glue piece for like making you know, a lot of these players, and especially a lot of the young players we have right now, their games don't necessarily complement each other as much as you'd like. And I, I think sticking someone like Dotson to that two spot really uh, you know, helps to kind of, kind of glue it all together, you know? But yeah, well, uh, you know, lots of questions still left to be uh, answered and seen. And then we're going to have our, you know, like we've been mentioning throughout the show, we'll have our full predictions in our uh, season preview pod in the next couple of weeks. We'll have some uh, more info on that when it becomes available. Uh, before we get out of here today, just make sure that you guys are following the Knicks wall. Uh, retweet that tweet that Kyle was talking about. Get in on our giveaway. That's a... Uh, yeah, we got t- uh, TKW t-shirt plus an authentic Knicks jersey. Like, you know, you guys, you guys are going to get something good out of it for sure. Um, let's see. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts at. Uh, you know, make sure you go follow Blue Wire Pods on uh, Twitter. Um, yeah, I don't you know. Not too much more else to plug today, but. We definitely, uh, you know, speaking of what we were speaking of before, we had Quentin Haynes' piece come out about uh, Dotson and Trier in the rotation. We had uh, a piece from Tyler Marco come out earlier today, too, on Wayne Ellington and, you know, how he might break into there. So, you know, like we mentioned at the end of just about every podcast, you know, we talk about what we talk about for about an hour, but we got a lot of guys writing about the same thing who are thinking, you know, differently and some of the same things we are. So go see some other opinions there. Um yeah follow us at tkw podcast too follow me at corbo anthony at kyle maggio and uh we'll talk to you all next week